We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today is producer and co-founder, Brian Goins. Hey. We have our professional screw-up, Alex Toledo. What's up? We have our Photoshopper and anime lover, Brass Jazz. What's up, everybody? And we have Kevin from Bench Buckets, our uh, our friend of the show, Celtics correspondent. You're... It's discontinued, though, Bench Buckets. Bench Buckets is discontinued. Um... Kind of a kind of a weird show. We haven't we haven't done anything since the Clipper. I mean, so much has happened in Heatland and basketball. I mean, the All Stars were picked. Um, Dion Waiters came back into the lineup. Um, Kobe Bryant, Gigi Bryant, and seven others died on Sunday in um in a really horrific accident. And it's been uh it's been weird. We haven't potted since. This is our first show. Uh, since any of that has happened. Um, so we did want to take a little bit of time in the beginning to talk about Kobe. We're going to get into the season. There's a lot to talk about with Dion and the trade deadline coming up and the all-star selections and all that. But guys, like I, I've been shocked by how I've been affected by this. I, I've been stunned. I was telling Kevin uh, before we started the show that like, even this morning, the first thing I think about when I've woken up every day is I can't believe that that happened. I can't believe that he's gone. And yeah. it's been, it's been shocking for, I mean, for a lot of us, like basketball was kind of like an escape from a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives. Uh, I know for me specifically, it's for like mental health stuff, but like since Sunday it's gone from, you know, a source of tranquility and peace to a reminder of a tragedy, like a constant reminder of that stuff. And like, I know that, I don't think any of us were particularly like big Kobe Bryant fans. Like we're, you know, Kevin likes Paul Pierce and the rest of us love Dwayne Wade. Right. So I think there was, um, yeah, Kevin, you're a Celtics fan. It's different. Yeah. Like, but there was like a lot of rivalry with, with what, how we felt about Kobe and everything. Mm -hmm. And, 
I can't say, I mean, we've argued on behalf of Dwayne being better than Kobe several times on Twitter. So it's not like we were huge fans of his, but I think that the way that we've all been affected has been kind of shocking. I know Brass, we talked a little bit about that, that like it caught you by surprise too. It really did. I was, I was never a huge Kobe fan, but um, I, I, you know, that being said, I mean, he was a, just a titan when it came to the NBA, and um, and I, and I guess I can really look at it now, and and I, I'm not sure I really gave him the the respect he he probably deserved. I kind of underappreciated him at least, um, and but I think what got me as well as got a lot of others is is the the family aspect to it. I mean, when when it happened, uh, and I heard that you know he passed in the crash, and and I I there was obviously the shock but um and then the rumors that you know all four of his daughters i mean it was just a roller coaster that day on twitter man it was it was crazy it was in, it was in it was insane and yeah. i remember i i heard the news i had gotten my phone was like blowing up from text like is this true I, i'm like i think we're all kind of de facto sports guys people and like lives of our friends and family right so i'm i'm getting like blown up on my phone like what happened with kobe in the helicopter is that true and i'm thinking what the hell did kobe do now right like i'm thinking like what kind of kobe hijinks did he do with a helicopter and my friend who's in the passenger seat because i'm driving reads me the news and i i just i'm in design district and i hit the brakes i was going to uh to an art exhibit and i just stopped in the middle of the street and i i could not believe what she had just told me yeah it's it's it was it's pretty just still numbing um, and yeah, I was really surprised at how I, I sort of was affected by that. And I mean, people even outside of sports, I mean, that dude was just a Titan. I had you friends know. that don't even like basketball right. that are just like talking to me like, bro, I can't get over this. Um, I'm going to read a tweet from streaky shooter. Um, one of <laughs> the holding it down for Phoenix on Twitter. Um, he had, I think probably my favorite like comment about the entire thing. Uh, Whether you hated him, loved him, or simply wanted him to reckon with his past, every fan's journey with the sport of basketball deeply involved Kobe Bryant. And with a figure that large looming over your entire relationship with the sport you love, it's hard not to be devastated today. And I think that's something that came out of this was, man, I I really fucking love the sport. I love everything it gave me. I love the people that it's introduced me to, the places that it's taken me to. Um, I love watching stupid things like raptor games that don't matter like i look at trey young's on off stats because i find it fun and it's like he was everywhere in this thing that consumed my life he's one of the sources the sources of the nostalgia right like for basically when we got into this right and and like you were saying that everybody he kind of transcended sports and he, he was known by everybody partly because of la but at the same time like his journey was just as intertwined with the heat as it was with any other team, considering D Wade, how much he admired Kobe, the, the actual literal trade between the Lakers and the heat that sent Shaq here. And the, the, you know, the baggage that came with that, the whole thing with LeBron coming over here. And now when he come over here, came over here was, you know, him versus Kobe is two uh, greatest players in the league and all of that. But I think, yeah, he, he just hits right there in the nostalgia, right? Like, like it's a, for us, for people, I think of our generation, especially here, like in Miami, people were Kobe fans before D Wade came into the league. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I know a lot of Kobe fans in Miami. I know a lot of Kobe fans too. The, those Laker games, man, I've been to Heat Laker games, and that's like a that's oh, a yeah. healthy split. It's like yeah. it's almost like a Nick game down here. If you've been to Nick Heat games down here, there's a there's an uncomfortable amount of New York fans. Another, another thing about Kobe that like it's kind of more off court, but he had a huge impact on like minority communities, like Latinos, Asians, blacks. Um, and I can speak, you know, from the Asian community, like when I'm, whenever I'm in China, like there are more Kobe fans than there are like Yao Ming and Jeremy Lin fans combined over there. Um, and the whole like maniacal attitude he had about hard work and everything kind of resonated with, you know, the typical stereotypical, uh, minority or Asian parent. Like Sam is funny. I would talk about, would always joke around about, he'd always joke around about how Sam was like, how Kobe was like the peak immigrant father. So I think it's good that you mentioned that because I actually listened to Sfandiari, the show that they did 
uh, I, I listened to some of it where they were honoring Kobe and they were saying kind of a similar thing that you're saying right now with the immigrant parents. And I realized the connection also is that uh, Kobe is to LA with the way to Miami, except on a larger scale because of what you're talking about, because of all the different uh, sects of the world that really admire him like that. And at the same time, he was, you know, so well loved by everybody over there and it's California. Like it's a larger scale. It's Hollywood. He, he everything that he did over there. One of the most segregated. He was the biggest star star in Hollywood, right? Like (laughs) he was, he was the guy that all the Hollywood people wanted to be around. Did you like imagine that? Like the people that have like this pull around the world, like he was the guy that they wanted to be associated with. Uh, Like think about all the tributes across sports with Ace, with, um, what inter, what was AC Milan, Neymar, uh, Novak Djokovic, like throughout sports. I've never seen that. There's, there's no precedent for that, for this extending beyond our basketball community to go on to like these other things and um, and to piggyback, like to do it in one of the most segregated cities in the in the states. Like what that meant, like those tri- those murals are crazy. Like the the masses of people of um, Rohan uh, and Cardi of Sports Illustrated wrote an exceptional piece that really highlights what you're saying, Kevin. Um, and I, I, if anybody's going to read stuff, please read Rohan's piece. Um, read Charles Pierce piece on Esquire. Uh, read Henry Abbott's piece, uh, Zach Lowe's and Ramona Shelburne's. I think that those are just like, it's unfortunate that times like this are what really bring out the best in writers. But those those pieces in particular um, were just exceptional. I think that's probably the best thing that Rohan has written. Um, and it's and Charles Pierce is one of the most accomplished writers ever, and that's definitely up there for him. So, I think there's an overarching theme within all these stories and all the different stuff that's come out since the incident happened, where it basically comes down to Kobe's love of the game, and he that's kind of what he stands for, right? He's the symbol for you know just being obsessed with the game, and actually, you know, I think that's why so many guys in the league are so you know, you know Kobe's your guy, right? They're more Kobe guys than LeBron guys. I think he stood for. For more, you know, obviously there's like a, it's like sports mysticism, but at the same time, like what he did was incredible throughout his career, right? He has one of the greatest careers of all time. And, and yeah, like he stands for that love of the game aspect. You know what I think also resonates with fans is that I think he loved the game as much as fans did. And he was as fanatical about things as fans are. Way more. Mm-hmm. Like I More. think fans, fans resonate with in that. that type of work that 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 he was putting. But like in. even in retirement, like that dude is like everywhere. Like how often? Like he's not you know he's not on countdown or something. But like how often? Like we joke about Charles Barkley not watching games. You know what I mean? And like Kobe's watching like all these games with his kids. He's he's very visible. He's going. You know what I mean? It's like he's he's everywhere. Yeah, he and his, I think da- that, his daughter to a, a Hawks game at Barkley Center because she likes Trey Young. You know, um, yeah, I, I've always, I've kind of been really, it's been weird how people kind of like weave in the Colorado stuff when talking about Kobe. It's like, well, you know, no one's perfect or they'll say, oh, you can't tell the story about Kobe without Colorado. It's always like an awkward thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just unfortunately part of what happened and who he is. And, um, I like in the Charles piece, in the Charles Pierce piece, he talks about, whether you feel like he made proper amends for what he did. Um, and he kind of uses basketball as an allegory of kind of how there's so many possessions in a basketball game that you can kind of correct your mistakes. Even, you know, you miss one time down the floor, you can kind of play defense on the other and make it up. Or, you know what I mean? And Charles Pierce was talking about if Kobe got enough possessions to kind of uh, correct his wrongs. And I obviously none of us know the answers to that. And he never really truly... Um, paid consequences for what happened uh there but i have not heard one woman who had a relationship with him say anything poorly about him and this is obviously you know forgiveness starts with the victim um but that's something i did find jarring that no every woman has a personal story about kobe whether it's naomi osaka talking about how kobe would just check up on her because he knew that her brain was fucked up and she was dealing with a lot of mental health stuff. Ramona Shelburne talking about Kobe being very present during her pregnancy. Sidney LaRue talking about how Kobe was with her and the U.S. Women's National Team every step of the way during the lawsuits and all that stuff. 
uh, Candace Parker. And the list goes, it's not a small list of women that have come out to say. So it's it's made it complicated for me who I almost felt like I had my mind made up on him before and everything that's coming out. Some Maybe it's because I want to see it. I see maybe that he he's trying to amend his wrongs. I don't know. It's been right. it's- the way like me talked about it, like the version of Kobe that we got post retirement was always conflicting as he became a bigger and bigger ambassador of women's sports. Like the idea that one of the main supporters had that rape case on his record. It was, made us uncomfortable, Kevin. We right. talked about it often, yeah. like prior, like we've right. been talking about this for a while. We were like, man, I'm uncomfortable with Kobe Bryant, like sitting courtside and do, being interviewed by, you know, all these but people. At, but at the same time, like a bunch of these female athletes, like they show nothing but support for him. And some of these female athletes are also like ones who have come out as survivors. Dude, they fucking ride with him. Like, well, also like su- him being there and showing support for something like the, the WNBA was not like a court mandated thing. It was genuine, you know, and there's, there's something about his, his story after that, you know, and, and you know, and just so happened to have four daughters. And I mean, he's also like a, just it's almost like, karmatic, right? A, yeah. And he was a, he was a really like great family man. He was there for his family. Big reason he took helicopters, if we're being honest. Yeah, no, you know, he spoke about that. Yeah, in exactly. Doesn't it make, doesn't this all make you want to like him? Like a it, lot? It does. Well, I reflected on my feelings of, of you know, in the past of Kobe and how I feel now. <clears throat> and what I sort of realized was my feelings, my sort of hatred at times for Kobe wasn't so much about him as a player. It's more his rabid fans I was annoyed by. And they're, so, they're still annoying. That hasn't changed, Brad. So very <laughs> they annoying. Going, they ain't going but, anywhere. But you know they'll what? Be back, they'll be back at our mentions in a couple of weeks when you know we're what? mad about where people rank him overweight. I'm gonna give him a pass right now because <laughs> they get a pass. I mean, this is this is this is a, a a very brutal thing to go through because, like I said, I was shocked at how affected I was emotionally from this because I didn't even care for Kobe that much. But I mean, I was really affected. And today's the first uh, day that I don't cry. Maybe. I don't know about it, you guys, but it's as, been as, an, as an adult, it happened in like waves. Mm-hmm. The the first like moment it hit me was seeing the eight twenty four second violations. I know, Johnny, you mentioned it when Lowry and Demar hugged it out. Like that, that hit me hard, dude. Yeah. Like Kyle's face, like when and Demar being a guy from Compton, like Nikaias tweeted today, like who's the most who plays the most like Kobe? And to me, I'm like, that's easy. It's, it's Demar. It's Demar. I think the one the one thing about Kobe is like. A bunch of these players say, like, a bunch of these players who are in the GOAT conversation, like LeBron, for example, he's doing it his own way. But with Kobe, it's like, he was so, he was such, he was so crazy that he actually, like, tried to make himself a carbon copy of MJ. Mm. I think a lot of... beat MJ, what Mm -hmm. he did. A lot of people... How many people could do what he did, really? In reality, how many people could do that? What he ended up doing in his career as a basic, basically an impersonation of... Uh, of Jordan when you just talk about his moves and the way that he walks around and his aura and all that like he's one of a kind right like in that sense one of one as Bill Simmons would say um, like he was he was our favorite player's favorite player yeah no <laughs> that's, I, and I think hearing... man like one more thing it doesn't matter like not that it doesn't matter but everything that we're talking about right now with what happened in Colorado, what happened in his career and how good he was or wasn't and who he's better than and who he's not better than is all secondary to the story, which is that nine total people died, including two teenagers. Like that's the Kobe thing to me has became secondary as soon as all the rest of the details came out. Like you've, it been, saying, you've been this, saying that since it happened. Like this wasn't some 70 year old dude that like died from illness. Like he was 41, perfectly healthy. And he was just carrying out like a normal regular regular day just taking his family and his, their teammates to a game you know um Djokovic talked about this in the in his interview that he said he's like he looked so shell-shocked and he's like kept saying like you know Kobe always takes the helicopter like like but like he always did that like kind of like really instilling the fact that like this shit was so normal it's like how could this happen it's like there was something that was just part of his routine Someone screenshotted something from a piece. The excerpt says something like Kobe and Vanessa, they agreed that they would never ride helicopters together. 
because in case something happened, like the That's kids would still have a parent. Insane. Yeah, I know. I actually know a family like that. They they don't like flying, so they they uh, you know they had two kids and they were all terrified of flying, but they would take separate planes. They would, they would take t- one parent and one kid and one parent and one kid. And to me, I look at that and go, "You're just doubling your chances of something happening to someone." But you know, hey, um, you know, we all sort of Jesus have press. our own. Well, no, I mean, no, I know, st- I know. statistically um, that's true. The last the last thing I want to talk about, um, before we get into heat stuff is. The Rick Fox rumors. Did you? Did anybody watch oh, yeah. the Crazy TNT out. stuff last night? When yeah. Kenny was like, he texted Rick Fox like, "Hey, say something." Bro, I remember I was I was standing in line for the Yayoi Kusama exhibit down here in Design District, and I was waiting. I was just looking at my phone, refreshing because I thought Rick Fox had, had passed too. And Rick Fox is kind of in post career. Rick Fox has been very present in my life because I like esports, and he owns Echo or owned Echo Fox rather, not anymore. But um, but you know he's been something somebody that's been in my life like very presently, uh, in ways that maybe other former players aren't. And uh, yeah, like that was. And then I had never considered the effect that could have on someone when they think you're dead going and you're already mourning somebody because like he wasn't answering the phone when people were calling him because he thought they were calling to talk about Kobe and he was on the phone with his kids. Reality, people were calling to make sure that he was okay, and like the kind of effect. Imagine somebody you love. You think that they're dead for an hour and they're not answering your phone calls. You desperately call over and over and over again. Like, and also, you- like when when the COVID news broke, like the initial state of shock that I had, like quickly turned to anger when a bunch of media outlets began trying to prioritize getting the news out first instead of confirming it. Like there was one report that it was Rick Fox, Kobe, and like all four of his kids. Yeah. And then yep. you saw reports that there were no kids involved. Right. It was the same, and then it was five people in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it became nine. Well, and and so like that Washington Post reporter that got suspended is now reinstated today, uh, for you know did tweeting. the did the lady who didn't say uh, Lakers correctly get fired? Well, no. Well, she tweeted about she you know basically tweeted something about the Kobe Bryant rape case on the day that he died, and she was suspended from the Washington Post for a couple of days. Yeah, um, Johnny's talking about somebody different. I'm talking about yeah. somebody different. I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. no, but, but 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 a lot like, happened that day. <clears throat> a lot. Um, but like my take on that is like I just think that's completely outrageous because yeah. whether or not you like to hear it or not, that's that's an actual case that happened. It's the historical thing. It's a li- it's it's part of his past. And she got shit for it on Twitter. Like anything, like that. She, you know, she right. paid. She she took but, shit for it on Twitter. It's like that. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, that. If you know that if. That's yeah. enough, right? <laughs> right. A, I think so. Entity, I mean, to, a, to, to be suspended media... for that is crazy. Now, that being said, uh, to me, the people that should really be suspended are people who put out reports of all four of his kids being on the helicopter. Like to me, like that kind of stuff. That like knee jerk, like quick. I heard something. It's not confirmed, but go. Let's run with it. Kind of thing is to me. If you have suspensions going for that. It's, it's just rumors, in, man. It's like there's nobody credible. Responsible journalism going on though. Like it's you had a bunch awful. of local news outlets from all over the country trying to hop on the story, and then you know there was a couple. I'm not gonna name names. Maybe some that we know where they're over here, uh, kind of reporting what was said on ABC ABC News, where uh, all the daughters were on the helicopter crash, and they said believed to be. And you know there was local news outlets that took it and ran with it, and were kind of reporting it. And there was also one of those cases. It was also crazy because the first news, the first outlet that reported Kobe's death was TMZ. Yes, right. But but the craziest thing of all in terms of social media is to find the, that Vanessa Bryant found out through social media. Through yeah. social media, that that you find out that your husband and daughter are dead on social media is such. Uh, uh, it's. I've, I mean, that's I've talked awful, man. to people in my life, not a, about that, but I've always said like the day that something really bad happens in the world, that we're going to war or something happens, I'm going to find out through a Twitter notification. Yeah. Like the fact well, that exactly that's what you use about war that that happened. No, I, you know, that that was one of them. But the time I actually think about very specifically was that scare that Hawaii had uh, with the North Korean testing nukes. Do you remember oh that? God. A couple oh, years my ago? God. That text message that went out to people. Yes, Holy that's when I realized shit. I was like, "Oh wow, I'm I'm gonna find out if if we're really gonna be in an apocalyptic world. I'm gonna find out the start of it through my phone on Twitter or notification." In the middle of a podcast. In the middle of a podcast. Um, so we do have heat stuff to get to. I do want to say as we're moving on. Wait, wait, hold on. Um, 
Uh, can we do, talk about a couple more things? Quick, yeah. Do you guys remember that Mike Tirico story that came out? Yes, the Gordon Hayward that the Gordon, Gordon Hayward, Hayward dispelled. Gordon Hayward lied. He did it on purpose. I, I want Gordy to lie. I, Gordy has to, you know, Gordy, just keep your mouth shut. Okay, just take your credit. Because mo- most times when a lane violation happens, like they take a step and then they take a step back because they're like, oh shit, that was I, I entered too early. Hayward took another step forward, so he was standing entirely in the lane. Why wouldn't he, he take the credit for that? As for those of you who don't know, um, Kobe's 60th point in his last game came on a on a second free throw. So um, if you Mike Tirico was re- recounting that game, and he recounted a moment where, and there's video that Gordon Hayward commits a purposeful lane violation on the second free throw because in case Kobe misses, he gets another one to get 60. And if he makes it, there's no lane violation. Um, and then Gordon Hayward came out and said, no, 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 I didn't do that on purpose. I don't give easy points. Kobe wouldn't have wanted that, blah, blah, blah. We were trying to win a game, yada, 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 yada. Total BS. I'm with Kevin. I think the funniest Kobe tribute that you guys would probably love too was everyone rushing to go on 2K to play as Kobe and dropping like 200 points on Paul Pierce's head. That happened? I didn't know that happened. <laughs> no, that, a lot of people did that. What a way to right. honor him. You know, my favorite Kobe, somebody tweeted this out. Um, when he learned seven seconds of Slovenian on the off chance that Luca would inbound the <laughs> ball next to him. I was like, at least a psycho. Great. He's the best. That's great. Um, uh, before we move on, um, they are uh, on a day that the Nets are honoring Kobe and they left the seat where Gigi and Kobe famously sat for that thing that went viral, them having that conversation. Uh, it's a big day honoring Kobe in New York. Uh, they're playing the fucking Pistons. And I couldn't think of anything worse to honor Kobe Bryant with than Andre Drummond. It's awful. I mean, Kyrie Irving. I love Kyrie, man. Kyrie's the best. Long live Kyrie. I really want him here. Okay. So, um, from one Kobe, uh, from one great shooting guard to another, Dion Waiters made his return. Kobe Wade. Kobe Wade. Kobe Neon, Wade. Neon Dion. Neon Dion. Um, I would like to talk about, we're going to get to the Celtic game that happened last night in a second because that's why we have Kevin on. Yeah. Do we have to? I, I a, a couple things, but I I mean we were doomed from when they announced that Enos Cantor was out. We were done. I was like, this is over. We lost. Yep. Nobody to pick on. Grant Williams, the new random scrub heat killer. Oh my god! And uh, who was the other guy? I don't even know if he scored, but he's a heat oh, killer. Grant? Who was the other guy? We, it was Grant we, Williams, and then oh, the guy with the funny teeth. Brad Wanamaker. That guy, him, man. We, we, oh my we, god, we, he was we, annoying. We nicknamed him the plumber. Fuck him. He's kind of nice. Because he shit? Because <laughs> he looks like a plumber. That's literally what it is. He does look like a plumber. He absolutely looks like a plumber. Guys, after everything that's happened, every the gummy, the falling out, the fake ankle, the ankle surgery, the this, the that, the, the shots on social media, the weight gaining, the not being fit, the, the entire Dion Waiters saga post-signing that contract. Did anyone think that after all that that happened, that he would be leading a charge in the fourth quarter against Kawhi Leonard on both ends of the floor, floor. and yes. it almost working? Yes. You. That's fucking crazy. That was awesome, man. They really came back on the Clippers without Jimmy and without all of their point guards. I thought Dog, that was they put Dion on Kawhi, and it kind of worked. The bulkiness came in handy there, man. He was guarding guys that were bigger than him. Like, we can't get past him. He blocked when he, Louis. Wait, he blocked Lou Williams twice. Yes, in one possession, and then he That's hit awesome. the pull up three on the other end. I have, bro. I. He's bulky and athletic at the same time. It's. Can I tell you that that was my up to that point? That was my favorite shot of the season. Like I'm like, if they win this game, this is bigger than those Tyler shots. Nah. <laughs> No. Dude, the, the redemption of Hero Dion versus Philly. Hero versus Philly, I think, is going to be the moment of the season. of hell against the Clippers, doing it on both ends? Dude, come on. Neon someone, Dion. Someone tweeted that Dion was going to win or lose the Heat a playoff game. And then someone replied, it'll probably be the same game that happens. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. That was that yeah. game because he, he, ended, he ended that game with an air ball, which was like the perfect encapsulation oh. of the Dion experience. God, when he when he like dribbles it up at you know across a you know across the half court and then he just he just chucks it from the top of the key and he shoots it like Philip Seymour Hoffman and along came Polly. It's like, oh my God. Like he did that shooting form is just it's so cocky. And for that <laughs> yeah. last you shot, drop. 
Frass, that, did you miss it? For that, uh, not that. I missed it. Man. I, there were, I there were things. Oh, listen, <laughs> I, 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 it, every, well, I miss every time it went in. I'm like, I missed that. And every time it didn't go in, I went, I didn't miss that. Wait, what's like, it's just, there's something so kind of gross when it doesn't work. But when it does, it feels great. Best. I will say defensively, it's he's been pretty damn impressive. He's better than none he on didn't that play end. I don't think season. that can be disputed. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. He is. He is. And this, so they have played 2,254 He's minutes. He's shooting 47% from three. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> on 5.7 attempts he from the game. He's back. He's three and D, Dion. Three and Dion, Dion, baby! You know what's hilarious is that you're shooting 22% from two point. Who cares? That doesn't matter. This is oh a modern my NBA, baby. God. Um, what is it? What is what is something spreading down here, man? I don't know if it's because of the. <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. Never mind. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the coronavirus. David oh, Bryant just said I wasn't you're gonna telling, do you're, it. You're the, telling me a corona has a virus? Words in the Caius. The Diana virus. <laughs> I mean, the first one just got reported in Dade like a half hour ago. Oh, it did. Yeah, we're fucked. Uh. Yeah, I'm, we should probably put that on here. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Justice Dion so and real, that, that happened? Wait, that's legit. Are we reporting this for people that don't know? I mean, I just saw it right now. I'm gonna Wait, let me no, go up no. here again. I saw well, something about FIU, but it was fake news. We were just oh, talking oh, about. Oh, we were just talking oh, about oh, false so reports on Twitter. The, my first day of the semester was yesterday, and we had to do icebreakers. And then this girl from oh, her no. icebreaker, she said, she literally said, "I'm from China. I moved in yesterday, and I woke up this morning really sick." Oh shit! Oh, I thought they were gonna make fun of you for being Chinese. <laughs> no, no, but she did on oh. purpose. The whole class just stared at her. Holy shit! That's funny. I got fake news so bad. You got fake yeah. news, oh, dude. My God. I told you, check. You won't even believe how bad. How bad? Jesus, man. <laughs> how bad, Alex? What happened? I'm not gonna say it. I'm just. Is gonna it porn noises over Skype? <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant man with a penis. Bigger than his head. <laughs> I can't believe that that happened to you. Oh my god! Are you? I don't know what to believe more. This for the earthquake that happened a couple days ago. Oh, I was there, shit. man. I was evacuated from Stephen P. Clark Center. Shit was scary, man. Oh my god. I wanted to ask the players if they felt it because don't the the visiting players like don't they stay like in Brickle in those pricey four seasons, baby. That's oh, what they shit, say. oh my god, that was amazing, Alex. Holy shit. Woo! Okay, so back to Neon <laughs> Dion. The link. It was a PBS link. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one that my friend sent oh me, and I was like, I'm not god. clicking that shit. I'm not stupid. This is CNN. Miami Dade officials have confirmed a case within the Dade community. <laughs> that's great, man. They got you. That should be illegal. That somebody should be oh, suspended, brass. I've seen that picture like 20 times since 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what um, links, links you're clicking on, man. It never gets old, man. Some jokes, some jokes are classics. That and Rickroll. Like when I get Rickrolled, like today, I'm just like, you know what? Okay. I still enjoy the whole the moaning video thing. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> that's... people so mad. That's why it's good. It's because it's like, how do you recover from that? If you're if you're at work, what do you? How do you explain that? Sorry, I I got pranked. <laughs> it's happened to everybody at this point. <laughs> Does anybody watch Impractical Jokers? Yes. No. It's a yes. show. It's it's like I a watch, show where like it's I basically a dare show, and then they have to do a challenge at the end, like the, if they lose the episode. Everything is basically in public. Gee, yeah, I, and then I one thought... of the one of the punishments was somebody had to go to a coffee, like a Starbucks, <laughs> yeah. and play porn noises from his computer, and and he couldn't leave. It was like, hilarious. Classic. I, I thought you hated white people. <laughs> Impractical Jokers is great, man. Which Have you white? ever seen him what? in New York, Brass? You live there. Have you ever seen him? I've always wanted to see Sal, and Joe, and based Mara. off of the comment that I just said, do you think I would have seen him in Practical Jokers a lot? No, no, no. Like, no, no. Like, do have you ever seen him like Jesus. around roaming New York? Roaming New York? What the? F no, they, they, they cool. That, that's where they do the stuff. No, we don't hang out the same places. It's fun stuff. Um, I have. Gee, I they, have. They, they're in Long Island. They're at UCLA. Brass is in Long Island. I'm in Westchester. Oh, he that's is. A different, <laughs> that's a different isn't, thing. Is, isn't Westchester Long Island? Really. I don't know, man. I'm not no. familiar. Isn't, isn't Westchester? Isn't Kendall Westchester? Yeah, I'm thinking like the Westchester <laughs> Flannies. That you know, we got Alex. We got a lot of hate for our Flanny steaks. 
No, you got a lot of hate. I got more support for saying that Hylia had the best Flanagan's because I speak facts on this show and nothing else. I got. Well, we got to go to the Hylia Flanagan's because I have not been in a minute, so I gotta. We gotta. We gotta judge this properly. It's so loud! Bring some earphones. <laughs> Too many Cubans in one place. So many Cubans. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Okay, so uh, before we got incredibly sidetracked in the most wonderful way possible, um, did he have played? That 2,200 minutes with Dion off the floor. They've played 42 minutes with him on, just to give you the disparity. They're plus three without him. They're plus 16 with him. The 122 offensive rating and a 107 D rating. Better than the D rating now. I, I'm, I'm like, I think the offensive, um, the Is offensive the rating as like a whole whatever throw that out the window like that's ridiculous small sample size stuff i do think like the better defensive rating uh i do think that there's something there and i think that if you watch dion and you watch the way that he's attached to to, to guys um in pick and roll like when he's kind of going under the screen he's not justice-esque but it's as good it's whatever it's the best that they have at that position right now um he's really really good on ball He's really, really good when the screener kind of comes right in front of him. And I think that that makes a huge difference because this team is playing a lot of Goran, Duncan, and Tyler in the backcourt, uh, especially in Nunn's absent. And they're just not up to par defensively with what you need. And that's coincided with their slip. Yeah, the thing I noticed was that the Heat were really bad defending the point of attack. It's it's their weakest thing. They can't do it. And that's why the you know they're not they're not a great rim team because of that. Uh, but they at least in the beginning of the season they were preventing shots at the rim. That has completely changed, and that and the three point defense is just it's just all leaking. Yeah, they're uh, below average since December, and that hasn't changed since all the injuries. They're twenty first in the league since December first in D rating. Fucking all- terrible. And that's the biggest theme of this team now, right? It's like before they started off the season going into the year as a defensive first team, and now it's kind of like oh everything is leaky. Um, this is the worst Spo defense ever. Yeah, because it's the first time in years that the Heat like, had a good offense. No, my, my, thing is if you, my thing is, if you can't defend a point of attack, then why is Bam like at the power forward roaming? Because how do you play Myers or Kelly? I'd, like Bam should be the back line. If I mean, you could play when can. when uh, when Kelly's in the game, Bam defends. Bam's the center. I know, but Kelly this year, it's like it's hard to play him at the four. He's even slower than he's been in any other year where he's been a Heat player. But I think DJJ has been their only. Uh, positive point of attack defender because uh, he can get out on those guards that have quick triggers from the you know the top of the key like Kemba, like Dame, you know those types of guys. Trey Young, but uh, this is what happens when you don't have justice for so long. Like he's played what one game since December started, something like that. Yeah, he played so exactly Kevin, one game and then that was it. That was it. Kevin, to your point, uh, when Bam and Myers are on the court and Kelly's off, uh, their defense is one hundred seven um, with a plus six net rating, almost plus seven. When it's Bam and Kelly, no Myers, they're minus 0. 0.15 with a 108D rating. So it's not really helping. I mean, honestly, there's been a couple of plot twists this season, man. There's been more than a few. Now that we really think about it, like the, yeah, this, baby. the most latest ones are Dion being more playable than JJ and Kelly. Uh, and Dion being <laughs> well, more Well, JJ necessary. being playable in the first place was the first plot twist. No, okay. You know what? You're right because I think we all thought Dion was better than JJ. But at I think the same we all thought time, JJ was done. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I think he is kind of done in a sense. Uh, I think he's not a rotation player. I think he's like a back end guy. Like you like him as an 11th or 12th guy at this point. But Dion, the new plot twist with him is that they kind of need him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. They, not because you of thought his you'd offense. never see me again, didn't yeah, you? Not because well, yeah, too if, bad. If, if he didn't, if he didn't shoot the ball, they'd be I'm alive. Good. I mean, honestly, the audacious, the audacious jump shot that he takes at the top of the wing is the best part of his game other than the butt slap. But no, really, the thing is, his defense has been solid. And like they kind of need guys who aren't just absolute messes on that end because they're playing too many negative defenders at the same time. And that's why like everything kind of points to them needing to consolidate in a week. Can I uh, can I provide an incredibly small sample size of uh, of promise? Uh, the 30 and 11, JJ, Dion and Goron have played eight minutes. And their net rating is plus 50. Wow. Holy shit. 30 and 11, baby. We're back. It's playoff basketball right there. I, uh, Alex, I do want to talk a little bit about Derek because you brought him up as their point of attack defender. And I know that he's good on that end, but I just think that he's not been as good as he was in the beginning of the season. And uh, Christian Hernandez keeps tweeting it every day. 
uh, that whenever he's in the lineup, they're bleeding points. I mean, and what all, do you expect is going to happen when they don't use him how he's supposed to be used on offense? And like, I, like I, I feel is, like how, I how are they more. supposed to they use him on offense? I mean, at the same time, like they have been so much worse on offense every time he's on the floor, based on everything that Christian has tweeted out. Like every time he updates it, it's like it gets worse. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're using him as like a as like a spot up shooter when he's on the floor now. And I feel like earlier in the season they were using him more as a role man. I remember, they weren't used. Obviously, it wasn't every time down the floor, but there would be two or three times in the game where he would screen and roll. Screen and I think like that's the best way to use him. He can't dribble. He can't get to the so paint do you do by himself. What do you, His what value do you, is in the paint. So you, do you need somebody to set him up. But what do you? Okay, well, if you're going to use him as a pick and roll player, what are you going to use Bam for? Okay, well they're not always playing together though. They a lot, especially recently like they're playing together, but at the same time he's he's a lot of times playing next to JJ. And when you play those two guys together, you have to put shooters around them. And we know that the shooters on this team are also not offensive, I mean, not defensive players. So it's like they're always playing one-way guys together and they're just trying to find that balance. And, and it's like, very, it's very matchup dependent with this team, honestly. Yeah. They're constantly You, you can't play him. against, you can't play against the Celtics with that like, lineup that they were the throwing out. Goran, if he's on the floor with Goran, Goran and him should be running pick and roll like... How the hell do you have Tyler Hero guarding Kimball Walker? Man, I don't really isolation. look at Derek as a great screener. Like, I don't, I don't have the numbers. It's not about that, but you just, you just need him get, need to get him going to the rim. And also, like, he's he, a good he tried Bam running pick and rolls. I was wondering if you could try that with uh, DJJ as a screener. No, because you're just Bam's not that kind of ball handler to yeah. run a four or five pick and roll. Every time he's, he's, I feel like every time he tries, he just gets his ball, he gets the ball stripped he's, somehow. He's not that kind of ball handler. Like, he'll bring the ball up and, like, he'll be able to do that and help push, but, like, he's not a, and I think, man, in the same way that they do creative sets to get other guys open, like Duncan, obviously, or whenever they do it for Jimmy or Bam, that guys are setting screens off the ball and away from the ball. Like, they could do stuff like that for Derek. Like, he, they've done it for every other guy who's kind of, like, not good at getting to the basket. Haven't you noticed? Like, nobody's doing it off the bounce except Jimmy. Everybody else is getting the ball fed to them after screens, after, you know, they're, get, they're getting it comfy. DJ Day is not getting that treatment. Because like Derek's not a, a guy who could take you up the dribble either, or he can't. Like he's not a he's not a threat. If he's coming off a pick, what's his threat? Because you're not scared of him shooting. You're to not scared jump of him over driving. you, and then yeah, but, get the rebound if he misses. But like, or well, get to the free throw line. How, you, you like so. How do you propose to get him going downhill? You have a run high screen and roll, but there are guys that are better at doing it. I would like to see the numbers of the Goran and DJJ pick and roll because I feel like every time that happens, they're getting a pretty good look, or something is happening with the offense. Because I just feel like if he's out there being used as a spot of shooter, it's just a waste of time. Like, especially because well, yeah, he's, he's playing next to JJ so many times. Like, that's how you guard the shooters that you put next to them, right? Because you're just going to sag off of JJ and DJJ to make sure they don't damage you in the paint. But if they're being used as three point shooters, like, what's the point of them being out there? You want to play these guys and, and being, you want them to be playable on both ends. And I think Spo was started the season off doing a good job with that, but it's getting harder and harder. They're, they're kind of leaking a little bit. The the biggest thing I disagree with you with is that using him as a screener is a solution when I do think that there's just The better. rolling part is important, not yeah. the screening. Okay, but the screening is, is an important part of the pick and roll. It's why Hassan was never an elite pick and roll player, even though he was a theoretically a really good role man. But like his screening was like god awful, right? And like when you're Goran, you're not like this big, strong guy. And Goran's not really like, He's not what he he's not having the finishing numbers that he did before. So he really needs the really solid good screen to kind of beat guys off the dribble, which is why Bam is such a good pick and roll partner with him. That's why even Kelly, because he has a sort of popping. Uh, but I think Goron has been such a good partner with Bam now, besides the fact that just Bam is way easier to run in with because he's all over the place. He's a good screener and all of that, and he's more athletic. More than that is the fact that Goran now is extremely comfortable pulling up off the dribble and just being patient and finding that jumper. I think that's why the pick and roll between him and Bam or somebody like DJJ works because it's like, if you're going to play the shot, DJJ, he gets a little bit of an edge on you and he yeah, jumps. Derek's, luck, not a, man. Derek's not a threat on the short roll. Like, so like, it's you know, you're like I just, misunderstanding. Me. I just think, no, like, I get what you're saying. Use him more in that situation than as a three point shooter. Cause you're just getting negative at that point. It's less than zero. But then what do you do with the other guys on the floor? They're Is all shooters. Point shooters. Who JJ? They, he's usually the only guy that's not a shooter that he's playing next to is JJ or Bam. Other than that, he's Jimmy usually as well. playing Jimmy too. But he's always out there with at least two or three shooters every single time. I think we're going way too much no, no, in on I, this point. But I, I think I, I, I get was, with what you're saying. Shooter, I just it. think there's better options, and I do think that we have to just look at DJJ and say, hey, listen, like he's a very limited offensive player. That if you have to, 
Like you can't model your offense or second unit offense around. You see, but that's common, why you're taking it where this is just no. You like you have to because you, this is this, we went gone way too much on this. I just like, think, I just think the idea of accommodating Derek Jones Jr. because of his limitations is not the way to like run your team. Well, I think it's interesting because the last few years, I think the difference between this year and the last few years is you have so many. You do have. I mean, they're a good offensive team. I mean, especially when I mean when it's clicking at least. Um, but I feel like everyone has a green light this year, which in years past didn't really feel like that was the case. So I am a little surprised that Derek Jones Jr. lets it fly from three as much as he does when he's not really. I mean, Jimmy, I get, you know, <clears throat> you give Jimmy a green light, do whatever the hell you want on the floor, whether or not it goes in, you know, he's still going to be an effective player. Um, but yeah, I, I do find it surprising how many threes that, that Derek sort of chucks up there. But I think like that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because he ends up sh- shooting all these threes, and like I, like I said, I don't mind him taking some open threes, but he's only taking open threes when he's on the floor over the past mm-hmm. like month. And I feel like this, he's had a, more than a few games where he's in double digit points or he gets to close to ten free throw attempts. And I think that only happens if you're giving him some looks in the paint, especially if you you have so many shooters on the team. Like this is one of the ways I think you got to offset it. Like you're obviously playing a bunch of flawed one way players in a sense. And I think, like having him and JJ on the floor, you're just, using him as three point shooter is just pointless. And I think honestly, it's just one piece of the puzzle of why this team kind of has some holes, even though they're very good. It's because there's so many one way players surrounding Jimmy and Bam. So Derek is getting 1.46 uh, points per possession as a role man, which is very good. My God, bro! It's great. What what percentile is that? Um, it's gonna be like 80 or up. Yeah, it's, it's it's good. It's That's fantastic. Good. It's it's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> let me see. Yeah, Brandon Ingram somehow getting two point fifteen as a role man, which is pretty fucking crazy. James Johnson, okay. one point eighty. Wow. So use JJ as the guy as a lot. They're really scared of getting dunked on by JJ. Uh, yeah. So. Chris Silva. No, but seriously, Chris how about Silva. This? Chris, he's he's uh he's third best on the team after JJ, Chris Silva, and Bam. Fourth best, rather. Um, I feel like I've never seen Silva score out of a pick and roll. He's so like awkward to watch. Chris sometimes. Silva's one point six seven points per possession, ninety fifth percentile. Meanwhile, Spo's not playing him. Wow, who is this guy? Yeah, Derek's in ninety the ninety third percentile. So you you your your take does have rights. Okay, I, we went like way too long on that. We How went about way this? too long Can on I Derek. Pose a question? Yes. Would you, when everybody's back, not including Justice, because we don't know when he's going to be back, <sighs> and I'm sense. not sure if Justice is on the Heat, but um, when everybody's back, do you sit somebody down for Dion in the in the rotation going forward? Like, do you t- do you take Dion over one of JJ, DJJ, Kelly, etc.? And I know like he's going to cut into the minutes of the the guards, obviously with Hero and None. But I'm saying just in the place in the rotation, would you would you take him over one of those back end guys? Would I do it or what do I think's gonna happen? Well, I just want to get everybody's opinion because I feel like it's just been you and me going back and forth for like 15 minutes on Derek Jones Jr. <laughs> What's less interesting than Derek Jones Jr.'s terrible, terrible. man numbers? I, before, I need I need to see a bigger sample size on, on Dion's comeback here. Brass having a same take about Dion. No, dude, you can't. Dion requires knee jerk reaction. You can't have nuance. (laughs) You need a leap of faith. I mean, listen, I'm glad he's back, but I just I I can't help but think like the timing. What February 9th is a trade deadline. You can get some serious games in here before you (laughs) can you know ship them off somewhere, and I think that plays into it. I think they need him. I don't think they can ship him off. I'm not I sure think, they. I, I think like I'm not sure they do, man. I'm I'm honestly not sure they do. And I and I'm I'm happy for Dion. I don't have any beef against Dion. And I, you know when he, again when he's lighting it up, it's it's a blast. It's it's like it's more fun than a lot of other guys. I don't know. There's something just cool about it when when he can just go off. But uh, I don't know, man. I I still think that that they're playing him to trade him. They it probably is. are, but. They play themselves into the market of of needing him by being so patient. <laughs> but I'm I don't I don't know if they need him, man. The defense matters because Tyler. I don't know if they need him. That Look, he hasn't. I think for as much as Spo is angry, and for as much as the organization seems to be upset with Dion, I think when push comes to shove in a playoff game, 
I think they're going to trust Dion's defense but, if Tyler's getting okay. Cooked. Okay, but I listen, think, if I think he's injured. Dion hasn't played with Kendrick Nunn yet, Kendrick Nunn has been a remarkably good player on this team this season. On offense, yes, but really good on offense. He's been okay. good on offense. He's been really good on offense. No, he's been especially, really good. Come on, Gianni. Especially Dion Listen, whoa, whoa, whoa. on the rookie curve. Especially at home. Is he is he Dion Waiters' Hold, age? Will nah. you chill? Is he Dion Waiters' age? I hate this guy. Shut up for me. <laughs> especially at home. Okay. He's like Dion, except Dion plays. I mean, he he plays with an offense where Dion does it. Dion just does his own thing. He plays I'm, on his own game. I'm gonna look at Dion's per 36 compared to Kendrick's. Continue, Ken, Kendrick's Kendrick's evolution this season has been has been really good offensively. He's been he's been sharing the ball a lot more. You know, he's 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 you he's know, improved he, a ton. He was way remember, more of an ISO the guy. Last time I was on a show, we compared him to Celtics Terry Rozier. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you were wrong. But you he was wrong. like, he you guys was, all agree with me at the time. He felt, no, we did, we did. Alf, Alf was leading the the anti Kendrick Nunn charge, but he felt like yourself. he felt like Dion without a personality earlier in the season, you know. And but at this point, like I mean, we don't know Kendrick Nunn. If you if if Dion didn't play and Kendrick Nunn did play, and the Clippers game and the Celtics game, they could have won both of those. I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like they won. They they needed comebacks in those games, and that happens with defense first, which is how they usually win historically, but hasn't been the case since December. And I think Dion, obviously, he, we need to see more of a sample. You're right. I think but they would have won had a better defender than Kendrick Nunn. I think I, I mean, no way I, to doubt that. I think they won one of those games with Justice back for sure. Oh, per, listen. Per, I mean, you know, my my take here is missing Kendrick Nunn and Justice Winslow is way more important than the Celtics missing Tatum this last game. <laughs> That's actually not true, but and Jason uh, Tam ain't no All Star. He's been the, he's been a Celtics best player since like Thanksgiving. Is he better while. than Kemba? Like yeah, like he is right now. I thought you were going to say Hayward's been their best player. Why are, why are people <laughs> so... what I saw last night. Like, my God, dude got 11 free throw attempts. Whatever, man. I mean, Kendrick Nunn helps the offense, and, and, and Justice, without question, helps the defense. So, boom, roasted. I think Justice and Dion both give you more on offense with every all of their flaws, obviously different flaws, than DJJ and JJ. So, I think they're the natural ones to take the place, but then you get smaller... So it's like there's so many conundrums with the with, with trying to set up a rotation for this team where like at the same time you could be like, you know, you can change it depending on the matchup. But when, when you know, Dion, it just makes so much sense to consolidate if they really want to compete. Sure. I don't I think really, we're gonna look at the same roster in the next few days. Guys. When yeah, no, I think I think there could be some stuff going on. Um I don't think anything groundbreaking. I think it's gonna be no. a little lukewarm. Before but, yeah, before we pivot to <clears throat> guys some, ready for Marcus Morris? Some all stress. That's a name that I was not hating. Um he's a bit of a ball stopper, but uh, Kevin, you're familiar with the work of uh, Marcus. When he's when he's asked to be like a spot up guy, like a guy who attacks closeouts, he's fantastic. Which I'm sure he'll, he'll he will be when he's playing next to Bam and Jimmy. Do you like the, him like fit wise with Miami? Yeah, I mean the Heat have like zero legitimate power forwards, so Morris would be great. Like Would've... I like him a lot more than I like Derek, and I think oh for yeah, this... he's he's better than those guys. He when he was in Boston, his last year there. Um, he was he became like a pretty decent three and D guy. That's kind of what they need, and I think that for this team to kind of reach their high end, they need Justice back, and they need another wing, like a big wing guy that can guard bigger. Like they need a guy to guard Kawhi, guard Giannis, stuff like that. I like Morris because he can kind of give you a little bit. Of, uh, obviously, that's the most important thing is the defense and a wing that you can play in between Jimmy and Bam. You're more comfortable with him playing that. He's six foot nine. Yeah, he's kind of, and he's pretty big too. Like he's a pretty good defender. He's a solid shooter. He can do some stuff as a you know with the ball in his hands. But obviously, you don't want to empower him too much. But <laughs> off the bench, like when you need some buckets in the playoffs, things slow down. Like he can off get the bench, this dude scoring sure. nineteen points per game on forty four percent from three. He can start. <laughs> I honestly, I, start. I, I like him. I like him starting over over Myers and then having oh Bam. for sure for oh, sure get Myers out of here. Like if you if you have that if. <laughs> Brian's so, so, like, yo, see the door, Hammer. So we so we clowned the Celtics a lot last year because it was a disaster. But I think it was up until they started ten and ten, right? And then they started Morris and Smart. And then up until that disastrous stretch around March, they were on pace to win like sixty games. When the disaster stretch was the whole season. 
<laughs> it started with that Rondo game winner. <laughs> Lo, let me tell you, man. You don't hit rock bottom until Rondo hits a game winner on your ass. Oof, I remember that game. Man. I felt bad for you guys. As a Lakers, as somebody who was rooting against the Lakers every night, I felt bad for you guys. I remember when Rondo almost eliminated the Celtics next to D Wade and Jimmy. <laughs> Man, I was—I gotta tell you—I was running really hard for the Bulls that oh year. Oh my god, I, I was so—I was so conflicted, but at, at some point, I was just like, "Fuck it." Conflicted. I don't want—I don't want to root. It was hard. Like, I, I was rooting the Celtics. I'm taking Wade. Every I was rooting time. for D Wade, but it also kind of stung. You know what I mean? I keep forgetting he went to Chicago. I fucking yeah, forget. I didn't want that. him to embarrass himself on the national stage. Like I wanted him to perform well, and they did. He no, did, I, I did was rooting for—I was rooting for him, but like I wasn't like gung ho. I was, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> all right guys so the all-star so the all-star reserves are tomorrow bam jimmy pretty much shoe-ins right and lowry and duncan robinson is lowry your shoe-in because uh because the uh um, I, I was saying it because you like the raptors i but think, I think the trey young the trey young selection kind of fucks everything up because i i think is beal a lock low didn't pick beal I think you got to take two out of three of Lowry, Beal, and Simmons. Lowry's in for me. Lowry's in for me. Bam, for sure, Bam and Jimmy are in. I think Bam and Jimmy are locks. I think um, Middleton is a lock. I, I don't know if Middleton's a lock. He he really helped himself yesterday. <laughs> I mean, everyone dropping 50 on the Wizards nowadays. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's shooting 50, 40, 90 on the season for the best team in the league, and he's averaging 20, like five and five. Like, that's all-star. That's is, an all-star. Um, is Brogdon... Brogdon or Sabonis? Is it one Sabonis. of the two or both? I think Sabonis has been better. Sabonis. Sabonis. Um, I think Simmons makes it. Yeah, I think he should too. I think Simmons Same. makes it. I think the big question marks is, is Beal going to make it? He is should, Kyle going to make it? Is he I still averaging like, like 29 Andre a game? In, huh? No. Isn't Beal still averaging like 29 a game? He just I mean, like, Beal should be. And Beal, Beal, should, Beal should be in. Players in the league. It should be, like, it should be a no-brainer. He like, he is legitimately like in discussion for worst defender in the league now. Doesn't matter. I mean, Trey, 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 Trey Young is a fucking Trey starter. Yeah, There's no conversation. Yeah. Trey's a There's starter. No conversation. And Trey, Isaiah Trey, Thomas. Thomas. Isaiah, Trey makes Isaiah Thomas look like Eric. D'Angelo Daniel. Russell also exists. <laughs> look, man, I don't credit. I don't. I, honestly, I'm not going to discredit Beal for not playing defense on a team that has some of the, maybe the worst defenders in NBA history. I, you know, can I like? I just said D'Lo's name. I was curious because Ethan um, Samus Vendiari was tweeting about. Um, D'Angelo Russell's like offensive numbers that were like really good, surprisingly. He's having a better offensive season, like statistically, than Donovan Mitchell, which shocked me. D'Angelo? Yeah. Wow. His efficiency is that high? Yes. They're like almost identical true shooting. He has has about the same free throw rate. Uh, He has more assists, like significantly more assists. So what uh, I heard from the Warriors, way better three point shooter. His defense is atrocious. No, his defense is, is like fucking albatrossic. Listen, man, yeah. ne- next year, Golden State is right back in it. Holy shit. <laughs> yep, because, I, I think mean, so, wild, too. The wild because... thing about the Wizards is so... I, so I have this theory that if you're, like, top five or, or, like, top ten offense, then because offense and defense are so correlated, more so than we think, like, if you have a good offense, you're not turning the ball over, the team's getting less transition opportunities, then it's practically impossible to be, like, a bottom five defense, right? Wizards, the Wizards the right now... The Wizards are the one team that's broken my theory. They're ninth. <laughs> What are you talking about? Cleveland was doing that a couple years ago. Cleveland was a juggernaut. Like almost, that wait, Cleveland wait, team wait, was they're, like, they're where, where, where are they? Where are they? Like a below average. Huh? The Wizards, they're ninth in offense and 30th in defense. Holy shit. The Cavs, were the, the Cavs were the second amazing. offense in the 20, or they were the first offense in the 29th defense. The Cavs? The Cavs, the year that they, the first Durant year. That Cavs offense was like better than the Warriors. People forget. No way. That yes. last year had to be the worst, no? Not the, not the last year. The, the first Durant year. The last Kyrie year. Was Kyrie oh, that on was, that? That was the flip the switch Cavs. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was different. That defense was not very good in the playoffs either. I don't know what flip was being switched. They were switched. way better in the playoffs. They were what are like, you talking about? They, that Celtic team was not good, and it took them seven fucking no, games. No, no, no. I'm not saying the Cavs were a great defense, but they were not getting obliterated by other teams. They were Dude. just letting – teams are scoring on them. But come they on, they're the like, 29th ranked defense. Right, the, so. the first year Durant Warriors, those Cavs. Go look they, at their playoff defense, Johnny. They, 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 look at the regular the 20, season. Okay, but the look at the teams they played. They played a over. Pacer team that wasn't good, and Victor Oladipo was horrible. Play in it was in front of you. Huh? You act like we. You act like the Heat didn't win 
titles in a week east. Like, come on, let's not the, do this. No, the, the, the east that the they Heat one was time. way I'm better. I'm not doing this. You see, I already knew uh, you Do gonna... you really think that the – I've heard that argument said before, and I was like, those Indiana teams would have stomped over all those, like, that uh, crappy Atlanta come team. Come on, man. Come on. They won 60. They won 60. Okay. Stop acting like Paul George and Roy Hibbert. Were yeah, stop acting the- like Jeff Teague is a fucking that Dennis Schroeder are my scary. Point, my point was that the East is weak, and don't, don't, don't. They they good on D in the playoffs. Kyle I don't even Corver, know if we're arguing I'm about fucking this. Fucking quaking in my boots. I loves to go back every. Fuck out of here, man. Do you remember how scary David West was? <laughs> no, I don't. Didn't he guard Ray Allen? <laughs> <laughs> he did. Can we end the show on that? Kobe didn't die for this. Oh. <laughs> why why oh my god ah man we didn't mention anything about kobe scoring 81 on the raptors who got out of that one baby the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.